morning. Glad y'all are here to worship with us, a new year, a new decade even. Uh, why don't we stand as we begin our first song? It's new, so uh, don't, be, don't be afraid to, to worship while listening, but also don't be afraid to try and figure it out with us and uh, sing along with us. It's called Good Grace. Your heart's good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. 
at uh, 6 o'clock. We're studying some passages from the book of Jeremiah. So 6 o'clock to 7 will be the first session tonight. And then if you want to stay for a second hour, we'll go from 7 to 8. And then tomorrow night, Monday, we'll be here in the sanctuary from about 6.30 to 8.45, looking at the January Bible study material. So I hope to see you there. If you can't make it, don't worry. Read through the book of Jeremiah, all right? It'll be good if you can. I hope that you'll, that you'll be able to make it. And then starting next Sunday night, we've got a couple of discipleship opportunities coming up for you. And I hope that if either of these interests you, you'll take advantage of them. Uh, the first is a study on the book of Revelation. So it's just going to be about a five-week walk through uh, with Josh Clem. Many of you know Josh. Josh, would you mind just raise your hand over there? Uh, Josh did a class on apocalyptic literature back this fall. And so this is kind of a follow-up to that class. But if you weren't a part of apocalyptic literature, I know you'll still be blessed by the Revelation study if you want to join in. So that'll start January the 12th, next Sunday night at 6 p.m. And then also coming up is Financial Peace University. There's a handout in your bulletin that'll give you a little bit more information there, along with a, uh, a link and a place where you can log on to our website and sign up. If you're interested in going through Financial Peace University, I think it's about a nine-week uh, course, and Miss Rhonda Clements and Mr. Randy Clements, they're somewhere back there, they'll be in there with you guys. So uh, it's just a great way to help you learn how to be a wise steward of your personal financial resources and also how to be the generous giver that the Lord wants you to be in the future. And then the last thing I have to share with you is this. Uh, our church, every Christmas, takes up a Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and that offering goes directly to support international missionaries serving through the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. Our church's goal was to send $8,000 uh, to support missions in this way. So far, you have contributed $5,721, and we thank you so much for giving as the Lord has led you to do so, and I pray that you'll continue to do that as well. If you watch the screen behind me, you'll be able to see just a glimpse of what your mission dollars go towards, and then after this video, I think Walter or Dolores or both of you are going to come and they're going to share just a word about Lottie Moon Christmas offering and another way that you can get involved in missions. As a mom and a grandma, we tried to teach our children that to follow Christ means to follow him completely and to, to give, be willing to give up, to be willing to sacrifice whatever it takes. But there's going to come a time when you're going to see a, a plane fly over and you're going to say, Lord, please let me get on that plane. The day came, um, our son, our baby son, we got a phone call in the middle of the night and he had been in a, a really bad car accident. Him and our daughter-in-law were in surgery. You know, um, that was a hard time, hard time in our life because we wanted to be there for them and we couldn't. But, you know, just shortly after that, um, I watched this old, old woman come climb from the valley all the way to the top of the mountain where we were teaching, and, and, and she barely made it, and her name was Mema Busa Busa. I remember um, the day that Mema Busa came to Christ, and at that moment I knew that no matter what I had to sacrifice, it was worth it. And you know, if, if you wouldn't have given, um, and if God wouldn't have allowed us to go, we would never have been a part of Mema Busa's story, and because you've given, you're a part of her story in providing um, 
a way that she heard the truth of the gospel and now she follows him among the mountain beseeching. The message of Jesus Christ is of the utmost importance and many places in the world just they simply do not have access to that message. So uh, my family and I, that's, that's our commitment, is to go to places where Christ has not been preached. And uh, as we do that, through your, through your gifts, uh, Christ is exalted. The name of God is made great. Uh, God is glorified through his plan, through his eternal plan. Uh, Christ being exalted through two dimensions. morning. It's really neat when we get to see a mission video like that with somebody we know. And many of you know uh, Jim Flora and Teresa. Jim is a graduate from Williams. And uh, we even had uh, one of his daughters uh, who was a member of our church for a while a couple of years ago. Uh, we think it's wonderful to have this opportunity to be able to talk to you this morning about Lesotho because we're going back there this summer. Uh, two years ago, we, four of us went to Lesotho where we shared the gospel and uh, ministered there alongside our missionaries, and we want to go back. Um, the Lord has really put that on my heart and Mary's heart, and uh, it's, uh, it's a challenge because this is going to the uttermost part. This is an 18,000-mile round trip, and uh, it's expensive, and I want to go because it is so far away. And so many people can't make that kind of trip. But the Lord has blessed Mary and I so that we're able to do that. And so we are very thankful for that. We hope to be have our feet on the ground in Johannesburg on the 15th of June and be there two weeks on the ground and then back uh, about 4th of July weekend. Um, we also want to ask you to come and help us and be a part of that. One of the ways you can be a part of that is that uh, Bryson Long and our pastor brother Jay both desire to go on this trip with us. These kinds of mission trips to Lesotho have to be small groups because the ground transportation is so difficult. But it cost us about $3,000 a person to be able to make this trip. And um, the Lord has already covered Mary and my expenses and then some. We've been saving for two years to make the round trip back and can't wait to go. But we need some help for these other two men. Their, their presence is going to magnify the opportunities we have in preaching and evangelism and discipleship. And so I want to ask you to start praying and that you would consider giving above and beyond your tithes and offerings here to our church something special to uh, help us make this mission trip a reality. About half of that $3,000 is simply for airfare. And then the rest of that, we pay all our own food, we pay our lodging, we pay our utilities, we pay our internet minutes, we pay for our uh, interpreters uh, and translators, we pay for their meals while they're with us, uh, we pay for uh, ground transportation to help the missionaries so nothing has to come out of their pockets. 
And so it gets expensive when you stop and think about all those kinds of things that have to take place. So we want to ask you to help us with the, with the financial end of this trip. We also uh, have had the missionaries request that we send an item. And uh, we want to ask you as a church to join with us in the collection of gloves and socks. Uh, they are in constant need of gloves and socks. Now, this is advantageous for us because winter garments are going on sale now for us. And the seasons are opposite in the southern hemisphere. So when we get there in June, winter will be in full force. And to be able to pick up gloves and socks inexpensively here now, uh, when those are on sale for us, help us give more. And we're going to take all we can. All of us will get two bags, 50 pounds apiece. And so Mary and I are already working hard to figure out how we can pack all of our belongings in one bag and then take four empty bags uh, with none of our stuff in it, but it will be packed entirely with what you all provide. There's another local church in our area who's been challenged to develop uh, and bag up uh, fishing kits for the men. And so this this church has a real interest in um, fishing because of the number of professional fishing guides in that church. And they're going to help us put together... Uh, a huge number of fishing kits to give out so that we have a witness with the men. And then another local church is going to be putting together uh, personal first aid kits. And these will go to the mobile moms. These are Christian women in the villages who have taken on certain responsibilities to watch after the many, many orphans in this region. And so uh, that church is going to be putting together uh, personal first aid kits for us to take and give out to those women as and there's one man who's a mobile dad and uh, help them uh, be able to minister and care for the children there we hope you'll be praying for us that's the most important thing because when you get there and you put your feet on ground on Lesotho soil you realize you are 9,000 miles away from home and there is nothing in your sight that is anything like what we're used to seeing every day uh, you heard me say two years ago, my idea of a long trip is driving to Branson for the weekend. And this is 9,000 miles to go. So we ask you to be praying for us. Pray that we'll be able to learn our discipleship lessons and learn our gospel presentations and start praying for the people we're going to meet because they're going. every one of them is going to be a divine encounter. I want to lead us in prayer today for Jim Flora and the other missionaries who are in Lesotho. I pray for them. Once you're there, you understand why. I pray for them every day. And I'm going to pray for them just like with you. And you agree with me in prayer, and I'm going to pray for them today with you, just like I pray for them every day. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that you have privileged us to be on your mission and to be on that mission everywhere in our Jerusalem and our Judea and our Samaria and even the uttermost parts. I thank you that you've given me the privilege to go to one of those uttermost parts. And I pray now for this trip that you will be praised and that many people will come to hear your your word and that many will respond to your gospel. So, Father, I want to lift up uh, Jim and Teresa Flora and their families I ask you to help them with health, which has been a constant issue for them in the last couple of years. Uh, Strengthen them. 
I ask you, Father, to be with Stan and Angie Burleson as they are our Southern Baptist volunteer missionaries, long-term volunteer missionaries there. I ask you to help them continue in their ministry and keep them strong. I lift up J.B. and Liz Bundridge and their family as they're stationed in Maseru, the capital city, that you would help them as they minister there in the lowlands, an area that needs to hear the gospel. I also want to lift up Jake and Ginger Goss and their daughter, Timber, who just observed their one-year anniversary of being in Lesotho. They're also in Maseru, Father. Help them in their language acquisition so they're more equipped to share your gospel. Father, I want to also lift up Brett. Uh, Brett and, and uh, Allison Barnhill, they work there as volunteers to work with orphans and children in need. And I ask you, Father, to bless their ministry and help them. I pray for the local pastors, some of whom I know, like Brother Mayo, Simon, Scout, Malele, and Ronnie. I ask you to empower them and give them courage to speak in their villages, even when people oppose them. I pray in particular for Pastor Ronnie and his family. Father, I pray for the, the partnering churches. And there's a, there's, there are three men from First Baptist Verona, Texas right now. They're going on their way to a new village today to spend the night and witness there. Father, just be with them and care for them. As we gather up our supplies and these other churches gather supplies, Father, I would pray that you would bless every effort there. And that these would be open doors to share your gospel. So, Father, I pray for provision for this trip that's coming, particularly uh, for Jake and Bryson. I ask you, Father, to supply over and beyond what we need so that we are well equipped to go there and minister. Father, we're so thankful that you finally sent rain to this region. And now the crops are growing, but they have a short span of growing season this year because of the drought. And I would ask, Father, that you work so that their crops come quickly and that they will have a harvest and there will be no starvation in this country as has been predicted. So, Father, we lift up this country, this vast people group of the Basutu, and we ask you, Father, to come and pour out your spirit on them. Bless these mountains and hills with your gospel. And it's for your glory we pray. Come on down. Good morning. How's everybody doing this day today? Good. Did you have a good new year? Good. All right. Who stayed up late? I didn't. You didn't? All right. Well, I stayed really late. Later than I Yeah, later than I should. Okay. But that's good. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna show you an object. Okay. I'm gonna show you an object this morning that you may or may not know. I know my two kids were kind of 
leery about what this thing was, okay? But I'm going to show you and see if you can guess what it is, okay? It's a telephone, right, okay. It's an 80s phone, you're, yeah, you're close, okay, all right. These were phones back before y'all were even born, okay? These were phones that we had in our house, okay? Does anybody know how this phone actually worked? How's the phone work? Yeah, you. How's it work? You know? You have to try. You have to turn it on. My kids were like, how do you turn this on? There's no power button. So, okay. How do you... How do you... Okay, all right. See this hole in the back of the phone? It had a cord. It plugged into the wall, okay? Imagine that, okay? You can't walk around your house with it, okay? It was an old phone, okay? It's a landline phone. It was attached to the wall, had a cord. You can only go this far, okay? Now, if you had an extra long cord, you could go about another five, six, seven feet, okay? Yeah, yeah. So, adults, how many of you still have these in your house today? Not many, but that's cool. That's cool. All right. So, let's go back to see how it works, okay? This, when it rang, okay, you picked it up. But how does it work? Remember? Does anybody know? Plugged into the wall. Yeah, it's plugged into the wall. You press the button to use your phone. Okay. Okay, all right. But our voice, our voice is carried over a telephone line, okay? You ever seen the telephone poles out on the highway with the lines going, okay? Our voice carried over the lines. Now, today, they look like this, okay? So, you see a difference? Yeah. These are carried over a wireless uh, tower, I believe, okay? Um, So, a lot has changed, but the telephone. I think when I, when I see a telephone, okay, either a landline like this or a mobile phone, it kind of reminds me of a prayer line to God, okay? And I'll explain in just a minute. So a prayer line, when we talk to God, or sorry, when we talk on the phone, if you say you got in trouble or some, something, and you can call, you can call your mom or dad or whoever, right? But if you're in serious trouble, serious trouble, okay, you can dial 911 and, and help would be on the way, right? So on this, kind of, it's kind of like a prayer line to God. We can pick up our so-called prayer line telephone to God. And we can call him anytime we wanted to. And we're in trouble, we call him. Hey, God, pick up, right? And we can talk to him, say, we got this going. But I'm going to do something. I'm going to make our own telephone, okay? Can we do that? I'm going to hold one end, and Grayson is going to hold the other end, okay? And I've got a message on here, kind of like the telephone lines outside, okay? You hold one end, okay? I picked up the phone, and I'm going to send a message to Grayson, okay? So the message is going down the line, okay? It's going to Grayson, pick it up, and move it to you, okay? Now, I want you to... Open that up, and I want you to read the message that I sent you really loudly, okay, since you don't have a mic. The Lord says if someone loves me, I will save them. I will protect those who love me. They will call to me, and I will answer them. I will be with them. 
Good job. All right. If nobody heard that, I'll read it really quickly. It says, the Lord says, if someone loves me, I will save him. I will protect those who know me. They will call to me, and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them, and I will honor them. Psalms 91, 14, and 15. So, when we call God, we can say, God, I'm in trouble. Or, hey, we only use the prayer line if we're in trouble. No. We call on God and say, hey, God, um, I just want to talk to you. Okay? I want to talk to you. I want to tell you how much I care for you. Same thing we do on the telephone. Okay? We call, we're in trouble. We call just to talk to people. And we call and tell them that we care about them. And that's our prayer line, is that we call God and say, hey, God, I've got this going on. Will you talk to me? Guess what God will do, guys? God will talk to you. He will answer your call. Here's another thing that's pretty cool. When you use the phone, and some today on the mobile phones, you call somebody and you hear a busy signal, okay? That means that somebody is on the other line. They can't get to you. They can't talk to you. God's line is never, ever busy. He will always switch over, and he'll always talk to you, okay? Here's another thing good for the adults, too. God's prayer line, he doesn't send you a bill, okay? There's no bill with prayer line. Because you know why? God has already paid the price when he sent Jesus to die for us on the cross. Okay? So, when you see a telephone, either today or the old phones, okay, remember that we can talk to God anytime. It is our prayer line to him. And another thing is pretty cool. He will never hang up on us. God will always hear us, and he always takes the time to take our call. Okay? Let's pray to him. Let's call to him right now. Father God, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you for a brand new year on this 2020 Vision Sunday that we can have, that you will um, that you will listen to us when we call, and we know that you will, that you will hear our prayers, and that you will listen to us. Thank you for sending Jesus uh, to die for us, and thank you for this prayer line that we have to you. That's always, always open. Please help us remember that. We love you and we praise you. Bless is your name. Amen. As we continue singing praises to our Lord, let's remind ourselves of how uh, great a Savior we worship and uh, we follow. Uh, let's stand together as we sing this next one. You are here. 
Oh. 
seated at this time. Ushers can come forward for a time of offering. It's a long trip down the stairs. Good morning. Many of you have read uh, the book by Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God. Um, in that book, we learn how to realize where God is at work and then how to join him in that work. So we have a few ministries here um, where it's entirely obvious that God is at work, right? Uh, namely, uh, our youth ministry and our children's ministry. So I'm going to talk about the youth ministry right now because that's the one that my wife and I are involved in, and that's the one I'm passionate about, okay? If you come here tonight, uh, we'll average, you know, 50, 60 youth and then children on top of that. But if you come here on a Wednesday night, it's no big deal to have a hundred youth, okay? On top of that, a hundred children, okay? This this place is kind of a madhouse, but it's it's fun, it's great, okay? In 2019, last year now, we had 24 professions of faith. Amen. Twenty-three baptisms to go with that, with, from our youth ministry, okay? Folks, we have one of the largest youth ministries in the state of Arkansas, okay? And that, that's awesome. That's completely awesome. This little church doing God's will, okay? Um, and a lot of folks, a lot of people said this wouldn't happen, this is what I'm fixing to say, but... We have permission from both local schools to take a bus and pick up our youth on Wednesdays from the school, mind you, and bring them back here to build relationships with them and show them Jesus, okay? That's, that's something that a lot of people say would never happen, but it did. It's, praise God for that, okay? That's, that's, that's awesome. So, if you're involved in this ministry, I'd like you to stand for a minute, okay? Coy and Vicky. Our fearless leaders, if you don't mind to stand, and I'm I'm not doing this to toot anybody's horn. This is all for God, okay? If you're a small group leader, if you don't mind to stand, several of you, maybe like 16 or so, okay? If you work in the kitchen, if you prepare meals for the kids, if you don't mind to stand, there's lots of you too. Yeah. Okay, lastly, if you're a bus driver, please stand. Okay? We know you guys are in here. Let's not, let's not forget our, our awesome praise team, too. Okay? So, guys, look around you, okay? All these folks that are standing. These folks give of their lives, their time, their resources to all of these youth 
that pour into this building, okay? This awesome door that God has opened for us. It's just wide open. And we are participating in it, okay? Y'all can sit down. Thank you. Other churches have called and asked, hey, what is y'all's secret? How are you doing this? What you guys are doing is just awesome. What are y'all doing? We tell them this. Love. Commitment. We've got to throw in funding, okay? We've got to have funding. That goes along with it. But in the end, it's all about our God, okay? It's all about our God. So carefully consider these, these words, this report, as you think about your budget for 2020, okay? We can always use more funds for this ministry, always, okay? And as this ministry grows larger, and it will, God willing, it will. We may have 200 youth in here this, this year, for all we know, okay? We're going to need more people. We're going to need more money. We're going to need more time, more food, more everything, okay? But God will provide, right? To God be the glory. Let's pray. Holy Father, you are always at work. Lord, you are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. Lord, the light in the darkness. Lord, help us always to join you when we see you at work, Lord, and never let that door close. Lord, be with our tithe this morning, Lord. May it be used in a wise way, Lord. If if it's only a cup of water in your name or a, a friendly hello, how are you doing in your name, Lord? Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for being here in our presence and all you're doing here, Lord. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
talk to the other side He reveals our salvation Jesus for us and you die When I was in the ninth grade and playing baseball, I had a problem. All of a sudden, I just couldn't really hit that well. And playing shortstop and second base, I missed about 10 pot flies. I mean, it's, you know, cans of corn. I, mean, I, just, I couldn't see them. And uh, the, the problem I, I had really should have been obvious and apparent to me, but it wasn't. And I'm just thinking the whole time, man, why am I so nervous playing my first year of high school baseball? I can't catch a pop fly on the infield. 
I can't hit anything. These guys aren't throwing any faster than what we faced the year before. What's going on? And then I realized it. Sitting in my baseball coach's drug and, I think it was drug education and safety course. You know, one of those classes that coaches teach. Sorry if you're a coach. Um, I was sitting in the back of that room, and he only taught class like three days of the entire year. You know, the rest of the time, we were in the back playing poker or doing something we weren't supposed to. So we had to put all our cards up, and we had to pay attention that day. And he starts to write all these notes on the board. And I bumped my buddy Chase. I said, Chase, what is that? He said, what are you talking about? This is the notes for class. Yeah, can you read that? He said, yeah, can you not? I said, no. He said, man, maybe that's why you stink so bad on the baseball field this year. So I went with my mom to the eye doctor. He got one of those blessed eye examinations, you know. At first you go in and you give them all of your information. You know, that takes like three years in and of itself, fill out the forms. And then you wait and they call your name and you go back. And this person helps you. First they sit you down at this little table and it's got three machines. You know, they're they're all set up there. And uh, one of the machines I never got to use, but the one on the right, they, they put me at first. And over here on the, on the right, she said, I want you to set your chin on this wrist, and I want you to hold your eye open, and you're going to feel this puff of air in your eye. You know, it feels like somebody's taking a Nerf gun and just shot you point blank right in the eyeball. And so she did that to both of my eyes, and I thought, they're supposed to help me see. This is, you know, this is driving me nuts. And so I, I turn over here to the, to the next machine, and she says, all right, uh, there are a few things that are going to happen here. I said, okay. She said, you're going to see a, a hot air balloon. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you've been there. You're going to see this hot air balloon, and it's going to be real blurry, but it's going to come into focus. I said, okay. And sure enough, I saw this real blurry hot air balloon on a tiny little screen, and it came into focus nice and clear. And then she said, now, uh, here's what's going to happen over here. You're going to see these blinking red dots. We're testing your peripheral vision, you know, what you can see over to the sides. Okay. So sure enough, say the red dots, all's good. And then I go back and sit in that nice, big, fancy chair, you know. And this is the first time I've been to the doctor before. And so they've got this big, huge boom arm sweeping over me with the thing that looks like if it fell on you, it'd just crush you in seconds, you know, and you'd die. And, and, uh, and that was the thing that they used to figure out what type of lenses that you needed, how bad your vision was and how they could help you see. And so she comes in the room, and she starts talking to me a few minutes, and I start talking to her, and then she says, I I want you to read this chart for me. And she puts this chart up on the wall, and it looked just as bad as Coach Faulkner's uh, drug education safety notes, you know, that that day. I said, ma'am, look, I'll be honest with you, I think that that very big letter in the very middle is an E, but I'm not sure. I said, I don't know where that means we need to start. She said, is this your first time here? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, okay. She said, well, when did you? I said, well, I can't hit, I can't catch, and I couldn't read notes in class, so I got a problem. And so she, uh, she starts going through all of these, you know, these different little things. She'll shine a light in your eye. That just feels like you're blinded, like you're never going to see again. But then she'd, she'd make adjustments on these lenses. You know, you'd work with one eye first and then the other eye next, and then she'd ask you over and over again. You know, flipping back and forth through lenses. Can you see one better or two? One or two? You know, I'd 
One, two, like, I'm going, man, can we not change this? Let's do three or four instead of one or two, you know, or A or B instead. And, but finally, we get to this point where she says, okay, I want you to look through both of these lenses. I'm going to take the cover off of the other eye, and you're going to be able to see through both of them. And I want you to read for me the smallest line on that chart that you can. I said, okay. And man, instantaneously, I could read that small little print. You know, you, you could make out the letters. I didn't have to squint. And I thought, oh, I can see. She said, oh, okay, uh, here's what we're going to do. I, I wanted uh, contacts, but she also wanted me to get some, some glasses. So she gave me a pair of contacts, and I went and put them in. And I sat down without that big contraption hanging over me this time. So, you know, I wasn't worried my life was going to end if a bolt broke loose. And I looked at the wall. And with those contacts on my eyes, I could see that line. See, my vision before that was poor. I couldn't even see what I was supposed to be seeing. But those lenses helped me to see the way that I needed to see. I've still got my first pair of glasses here from the ninth grade. Haven't ever changed them except the lenses. It's pretty cool, isn't it? I got my contacts in now, so now you all look really blurry. But when I put these glasses on or when I put my contacts in in the morning, I can see. If I don't, I got a big problem. I can't see. So I want you to stop and think about something with me this morning. If we as a church want to have a vision for what God wants us to do in ministering to people, or if you as an individual want to see what God's will is for your life, what God has for you to do, what do you need? What do you need? Your spiritual glasses. That's pretty good. I didn't bring something up to the pulpit with me this morning. Anybody know what it was? Good. Some of you are paying attention. Preacher without a Bible is always scary, isn't it? Don't worry, I hid one. And I didn't just hide anyone. This is our spiritual set of lenses. It's what helps us to see. It helps us see like God sees. It helps us see the way God sees. It helps us see how we're supposed to live our lives. And I'm going to preach to you from this Bible in particular today because our church last, last week over the the new year. We started Sunday night. We ended Wednesday night about 1020. This Bible was sitting on the pulpit. And you as a church family read through this entire book, God's Word. There were 40 of you that read. It took 76 and a half hours from start to finish. But you read it. God's Word helps us see what He sees. And it helps us see like he sees. So in order to have a, 20, a, a spiritual 2020 vision, I've just got one verse to share with you this morning. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And in this one verse, there's really two lenses it helps you to wear. Proverbs 29, verse 18. I'm going to read to you from the NIV, and then I'm going to quote to you from the good old King James, because I like it. It's Proverbs 29:18 in the New International Version. 
Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. The King James Version says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But happy is he who keeps the law. This verse is short, but it teaches us a couple of interesting things, doesn't it? First off, we need to see like God sees. If we want to have spiritual vision, we we need to see what God sees. We need to see like God sees. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Where, Where there is no vision, people perish. You see, here's what we start to do as uh, Christians in our individual lives. Instead of focusing on spending time with the Lord and His Word on a daily basis, we start to troll Facebook. Or we get on Twitter and find out who's saying what and who's arguing with who. Or we check Instagram for the latest picture to see what all the noise is about. Instead of praying... And seeking the Lord's face, we start asking Google all of our questions. And Google gives some pretty good answers, but we become less and less dependent upon the Lord. And all of a sudden, instead of seeing like God sees, and instead of seeing the world as God sees it, we begin to see the world as the world sees it. And all of a sudden, the problems and the issues and the sin and the wickedness that were once so obvious are much less apparent to us because we're not looking at the world through a spiritual lens. We're looking at the world through our own eyes, through the eyes in which everybody else views everything around them. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I mean, did you know that if we were left on our own to live our lives however we wanted to, it ended up pretty bad, pretty quick. In order to have vision, we need to see like God sees. He gives us His Word so that we can see like He sees. He helps us know what to do. And then the second half of this verse says, Blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction, or happy, or blessed is he who keeps the law. You see, we don't just need to see like God sees. But the blessing is that when we see like God sees, we get to be a part of God's work and of His will in this world. We get to be a part of what He's doing and what He's about. And instead of becoming just like everybody else and living this mundane life that doesn't really matter, we live a life of purpose that counts for eternity in God's kingdom. Where there is no vision, the people perish but happy is he who keeps the law you know there's a few things that i know for sure just doesn't ever change i know that the lord god wants me to love him with all of my heart my soul my mind and my strength you guys know that have i drilled that into you good enough yet good i know that god wants me to love my neighbor as myself do you guys know that good And here's the other thing. I I know that God wants me to go and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that Jesus commanded. And I know He's going to be with me until the end of the age. You guys know that? I mean, we've got that, right? We know that we're supposed to love the Lord and to love people and to make disciples. But I think that some of you have lost the vision. I'll be honest with you. I think I have. Over about the last, I don't know, six or nine months. It's not that I wanted to not do what I was supposed to do. It's just that I got stuck in this routine. of you know, This is what we do. We, we do the church stuff. So every Wednesday we go on the van routes. We do our thing with Awana and kids and prayer meeting and Bible study. We take the kids and teenagers back home and then I go home and sleep. And then I wake up Thursday morning and I go to the office. We hand out food at Food Pantry on the third Thursday of every month. I mean, it's just you, you get in the routine. And you just don't even think about what you're doing, much less why you're doing what you're doing. And it's not that our church has been doing bad stuff. It's just that our church has forgotten just how good God is and how good His work is. You know, when you come to talk about vision, there's all kinds of just dynamic leaders out there. And most of them will tell you that a vision is, is this. A vision is a picture of a preferred future. don't have to respond out loud, but do you have a picture of a preferred future for your life? Do you have a picture of a preferred future for our church? You know, there, there was a time that, that, that I did, man, I just, I, I had this great, awesome, wonderful picture. Some of you remember when we were building the ministry activity center back here, you know, they, they had the, the concrete slabs all poured and the metal studs were up and you could kind of walk through it. I was reading through a, a book called Experiencing God. Anybody ever heard of that? Alan, have you read that before? It's a good book. Good book. I was reading through this book and you know, Henry Blackaby's famous phrase is when, when you see where God is at work, you, you join him in his work. I mean, that's, that's vision, right? You see where God's working, you join him in it. And man, I started walking around through the unfinished part of the building back here, and I came to the area that that was the uh, that was going to be the youth room. I was a youth minister at the time. Um, hadn't been the youth minister for very long, and it, it, and I came to this section of the building, and I went, man, Lord, I just I felt led to pray right there, so I stopped and prayed. You might think this is weird. I haven't ever had this happen much in my life. I saw 85 students worshiping in that youth room. 2010. Summertime. End of summer, going into fall. I had just become the youth minister not too long. I thought, Lord, I don't know what this is about, but okay. And so, uh, you know, me, me being me, I turned to Psalm chapter 85. Better is one day in your court, so Lord, than, than a thousand elsewhere. It's this song, talk about dwelling in God's presence. And so, you know, I just kind of walked through the next few days. Lord, I'd love to see that happen. Well, you, I was a youth minister about three years. We had 
30 or 40 students coming at, at the very best. It was cool. We had some really good stuff going on. I thought, okay, this, this is neat. I like what I'm doing. I never got to see 85 students gathering in that youth room worshiping on a Wednesday night for youth group. But this church asked me to be their pastor. And so I thought, Lord, I, I know this is what you want me to do after praying about that. And it was after I'd become the pastor about two years in that there was a group of students led by Will Weir and Kenzie Flippo. Anybody remember kind of what God did in our high school students that, that year? And they wanted to have a lock-in. Okay, sounds good to me. And so they, they came up to the church, and there was like 85 students worshiping in the youth room that night. It's really cool to see. Really cool to see. I got to see what God had shown me he was going to do. And it wasn't that I had done anything. I just was faithful to obey the Lord and to reach people, to love people, to love him, to make disciples. And so then, you know, a little more time goes by. And uh, uh, Steve Corder had come on church staff again. I think that was the 18th time, right? So, uh, and the... And, Steve was sitting in the what is now Bryson Long's office, our children's minister. And I remember coming in to Steve one afternoon and saying, Man, Steve, I, I just, I, our church needs a full-time youth minister and a full-time children's minister. You remember me saying that? And Steve was just kind of like, Yeah, right, Jay, that ain't going to happen. But man, lo and behold, what did God do? He blessed us with this huge gift, a financial gift, so we could bring on a full-time children's minister and then God let us let led Coy to come here to be our youth minister we're in this building we got 85 students who came to worship in the youth room we've got a full-time children's minister a full-time youth minister we keep going and doing blowing through ministry and the Lord's just doing all kinds of amazing things what Alan said 24 students saved this past year there's about 20 25 or so the year before that too it's just amazing to think about, isn't it? But if we only think about what God has done in the past and we don't pay attention to what He is doing in the present, we'll never see what He wants to do in the future. So listen to me. I'm about to share a few things with you. Some of you aren't going to like it. But you want a vision, a picture of a preferred future. Here's where I think the Lord's directing our church. Coy Slusher said something a few weeks ago at a staff meeting, and man, he was just dead right. We've just gotten to the threshold of what God wants to do in our church and our community. We have. Amen. We've seen 24 students give their lives to Jesus Christ. We're just touching the, the base of what God can't do, of what he wants to do. So I'm just going to share with you these things. And I'm not going to take you to books and chapters and verses and say that I've got this, this verse for every one of these things we need to do. I'm just going to give you the picture, okay? You guys came to worship this morning to express your love to the Lord, and you've done so. Our church needs to continue to grow in worship Instead of caring about our personal preferences, 
musical styles. We've got to genuinely give our hearts all to the Lord, 100%. And it can't just be about the music that I want to hear, the music I want to sing to. It's got to be, I want to give my life and honor and glory and praise to God and His kingdom. We need to grow up, upward in worship. We need to grow downward in discipleship. I mean, look, let's, let's just be honest here. I think I've emphasized more in this past year than I have the entire time I've been here how much we need to go out and find one person and invite them to church and share the gospel with them and pray for them so that they come to Jesus Christ. Amen? But man, if all we do is get them in the doors of this church building... That's not all God wants us to do. We've got to get to the point where we're willing to invest the time and the money and the energy and the emotion necessary to help people walk consistently and faithfully with the Lord. Keep reaching out to people and bringing them in here. But we've got to go downward, deeper in discipleship. This is what things like Financial Peace University and the Revelation study are about. This is what the Ladies' Bible study is about on Thursday nights. If you haven't heard what's going on there, you can talk to Stephanie or or Monica Long later. They'll be happy to tell you and let you be a part of it. You're going to hear soon, guys, about a men's 222 breakfast. It's coming up February the 22nd. 222. Easy to remember, right? When we do these things, it's to help you grow deeper in your faith. Because, man, we can just keep getting droves of people in here and tons of students on Wednesday nights and children on Wednesday nights, but if we don't take them deeper in God's Word and deeper in their faith, then all we've done is get a bunch of people together. We've got to grow upward in worship. We've got to grow deeper or downward in discipleship. We've got to grow inward might sound funny to you. We always talk about churches being outward in their focus. But we've got to grow inward in fellowship. Man, we're part of a family that's going to be together for eternity. Why don't we act like that? Why don't we care about each other, pray for each other? And man, listen, there is no better place our church has to do that than Sunday school. I know some of you think that Sunday school is something that your grandparents did in 1950, and it is. But the reason they did it is not just because they wanted to go to church every Sunday to check something off their spiritual list. It's because that's where they found a group of people that loved them and cared about them enough to take them a meal after surgery or to pray for them when they were having difficulties raising their kids or hold them accountable for the ways that they were not living their life according to God's standards. Grow closer, inward, in fellowship with each other. That's tough, isn't it? You've got to get to know each other, and you've got to love each other regardless of how well you know each other. We grow upward in worship. We grow downward in discipleship. We grow inward or closer in fellowship. We continue to grow outward. Outward in evangelism. Listen, I know that I've asked you that question, who's your one, a lot of times, but I'm going to keep asking it. You say, Jake, how long are you going to keep asking that? I'm going to keep asking you until you get a one and bring them in here and they come to know Jesus. 
You say, Jay, that, that's not me. Look, that has to be you. If it's not you, you're not doing what God wants you to do. You say, Jake, I, I'm not good in one-on-one conversation. Look, I'm not either. It doesn't matter what we're good at or what we feel like doing. It matters what God's told us to do and what God's called us to do. I guarantee you that there's one person around you, maybe the gas station attendant where you stop and fill up every other day. It may be the person at Walmart that you pass in there all the time, going back and forth to get your prescriptions from the pharmacy. It may be a student you're in class with or somebody you play ball with or that guy that you run into at the workout gym over here on Main Street. It may be a waiter or a waitress. There's one person in your life that doesn't know the Lord. Talk to them about Jesus. Love them. Pray for them. Pray with them. Invite them to church. Reach out to them. We've got to keep growing outward. Listen to me. If God wants every single person on the face of the earth to know Him, why don't we want every single person on the face of the earth to know Him? I mean, we ought to want to tell people about Jesus until all of the world comes to know Him. I know it drives some people nuts sometimes, but they, you know, people ask me, well, well Jake, how... What, what would it be, you know, what, what would your ideal scenario be like for First Baptist Church? You know, if, if you had 500 people in worship on Sunday mornings, or if you had 700 people in worship on Sunday mornings, or if you had to build a new building, or if, or if you had to do multiple services, and I'm like, no, listen, this is what I want to see. I want to see every single person in Lawrence County come to know Jesus. I hope that frustrates the mess out of you, because that's what God wants to see. God doesn't want to see 500 people sitting here on a building on Sunday mornings. He wants to see every single person in this county come to know Him and love Him. We need to grow outward in evangelism. Here's your next one. I'm not sure which is grammatically correct, so somebody may have to help me out. We need to grow further or farther in ministry. Further, right? Somebody will fix that later if you need to. You know what I'm talking about. We're doing all kinds of amazing things. The Lord is doing all kinds of amazing things through us. A hundred teenagers here Wednesday nights, a hundred children here Wednesday nights, hundreds of households at our food pantry distribution. There are people that we help, people that you help, and sometimes others don't even know about the ways that you serve. And that's awesome because God sees all of it. But there are still so many hurting people in our community. There's so many, so many needs that, that we can meet and things that we can do to serve others and show them God's love so that they can become disciples and make other disciples themselves. Walter and Mary and Bryson and I are going to Lesotho, Africa. Might not make sense to you. Say, Jake, you're the pastor of First Baptist Church Walnut Ridge. Why are you taking a three-week mission trip to Africa? Because Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. That not okay with you? Listen, we've got to keep doing the things that God wants us to do, even if it sometimes doesn't make sense to us. I heard somebody say one time that a, a, a good leader hits a target nobody else can hit. A great leader hits a target nobody else can see. Listen to me. A good church will do some things that no other church can do. But a great church, 
a church that loves the Lord and has been set on fire by the Holy Spirit will do things that no other church even has the idea of seeing. And I've got some crazy ideas. You may share some of these with you. All right. You said yes, so here we go. Do you know our church owns this giant parking lot from this street all the way over there to the next street? Some of you park there. It's a good thing. Do you know there's an empty building slab over there? It used to be a grocery store. Some of you were around back then. You remember when it was a grocery store. We used it as a, as a youth building for, for some time. You ever been up here on a Wednesday night? Some of you are like, yeah, I've been up here on a Wednesday night. Man, if you hadn't been up here on Wednesday night, you need to come up here on Wednesday night. Look, just one time, I'll tell you, it'll change your life. It really will. Um, when, when there's like a hundred children in here in the sanctuary getting Awana ready to go, and the workers who are school teachers are pulling their hair out because they're going, man, I just did this all day long. But they're faithful to come up here anyways and love these children and teach them God's word. And we've got people signing them in back there and talking to their parents and saying hello to them. And then back in the, the MAC, the Ministry Activity Center back there, there's another hundred teenagers that are playing basketball and throwing dodgeballs at each other. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's so loud you can't hear yourself think. You're roaming through the hallways going, man, I can't wait to get to the choir room where Jake has that prayer meeting and Bible study for adults. I've never been so happy to be an old person on Wednesday night. But look, we get in there. And man, I'm telling you, it's cool. The whole time we're in there. First, what happens is we start taking prayer requests and then Awana dismisses to go to their rooms. And when they dismiss to go to their rooms, they come down this hallway and it sounds like a herd of elephants on the African savannah. And then after they leave, it kind of gets a little quiet. We start to pray. And as we start to pray, Nick and the praise team start belting out praise songs to the Lord. And man, it's like... You know, we can feel the bass rumbling. You know what we're doing the whole time? We're praying. We're asking God to work in people's hearts and lives. Many times we pray for our students and our children. We pray for Coy and we pray for Bryson. We pray for our small group leaders and our WANA volunteers that God would continue to work in them and use them. We pray for those that are helping with transportation ministry. Listen to me. If you haven't ever been up here on Wednesday nights, you've got to come up here and see this for yourself. But here's the crazy idea. And by the way, the Lord woke Coy up with this in the middle of the night. I thought it was crazy. Then I thought it was right. Then I thought it was crazy again. I think he's right. I think we need to build a building over there on that parking lot. And listen, hey, listen, some of you hate that idea. And I'm okay with that. But you love the teenagers, right? If you don't, I'm not okay with that. Because listen, there's a hundred of them that are coming. There are hundreds more that aren't. They're not going anywhere. They got families that don't care about them because they don't know how to care about them. Love them. Teach them to love each other. Teach them to follow Jesus. And you never know, man. We build a building over there in that parking lot, something interesting may happen. We might actually do something crazy. And the Lord continues to bring more teenagers in and more children in. And before long, our Sunday morning worship services 
we see more people because people begin to realize you really do love us and care about our community. You're not just here to build this own little empire on your corner. You, you want to invest in people and change our community and see Jesus change our lives. And when that happens, wouldn't it be cool if there were so many people in here on a Sunday morning in worship that we had to have people meeting in here and over there? Or we had to all move over there five, ten years down the road in the future and completely redo this inside of this sanctuary to house more people to worship God in His house? Wouldn't that be cool? Hey, let me give you some other ones, okay? This isn't all about buildings. This is about what God wants to do and, and, and what we want to see God do. Wouldn't it be cool if about twice a year, maybe even three or four times a year down the road in the future, that Walter wasn't just coming up here talking about how he and Mary were going back to Lesotho, but if it was somebody else saying, hey, we're going with Walter and Mary and we've never been before, and when we get back, we're going to take another group of two or three more with us, and we've got three or four teams of three or four people going out all of the time, back and forth to Lesotho, Africa, to take the gospel to villages where they have never heard the name of Jesus. Listen. This isn't just missionary talk from a Baptist preacher wanting to raise funds. There are people there that have never heard Jesus' name. Do you understand that? And we have this window of opportunity to not just mention His name, but to tell them all about Him. Wouldn't that be cool? I think it would be too. Wouldn't it be cool on Sunday mornings... You know all of the Sunday school spaces that we have scattered back there? You know, we've, we've got an Awana office in one and a Sunday school office in one. and a, we, It's a junk room. You can call it a storage area if you want to. Wouldn't it be cool if we had to empty out all of those rooms that are filled with stuff because we had more people to put in there? And our, our Sunday school classes functioned as little churches within this larger church we call First Baptist Walnut Ridge. And they were reaching people, and they were teaching people, and they were ministering to people. And there were things that you as a Sunday school class took care of amongst yourselves that you didn't even have to bother your pastor about. Like, wouldn't it be cool? I, I would love to show up at the hospital sometime. And not have somebody go, man, thank you, Pastor. They're about to send me back to surgery. I needed you to pray for me. Wouldn't it be cool if I showed up to the hospital one time and there was a Sunday school class standing around somebody's bed already praying for them? Wouldn't it be cool if, if I got there and they said, hey, Jake, thanks for coming, but so-and-so uh, and so-and-so and so-and-so and -so all came over the house last night and they prayed with us. So thanks for coming, but God's going to take care of me. I'm, I'm good. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if on Sunday mornings people didn't just wake up from that goofy cell phone alarm clock that goes off and go, man, I guess I got to get up and go to church because it's time to sing those songs. Yeah, you know, they're busting out the, the electric guitars this morning. I'm not sure if I'm really going to like that, but I'm, I'm going anyways. Or... Man, the praise team's not on the, the menu of the bulletin this morning. We've got to sing those old hymns with the piano and the organ. 
Oh, wouldn't it be cool if you didn't even pay attention to that front cover of the bulletin because you didn't care what songs you were going to sing. You were just excited to come and worship the Lord on Sunday mornings. But yet you were still excited enough to read the rest of the stuff in the bulletin so you knew what was going on, right? No, listen to me. What, what if you came in here on a Sunday morning and got just a glimpse of the ultimate vision? Of what heaven's going to be like one day when all of the saints of all of the ages are gathered around God's throne and they're singing night and day, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. And they're saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, who has redeemed for Himself people from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation. And when you came in here on Sunday mornings, you didn't care what other people thought about you if you stood up and raised your hands. You didn't care if you liked the songs or not, if they were in your preferred style. But you just came to give yourself wholeheartedly to the Lord. To sing His praises. To express your gratitude for what He did in sending His Son to die on the cross for your sins. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if, if we had people just waiting on the edge of their seats every Sunday morning to stand up and to sing God's praise as loud as they could? I think it would be too. And this is the one that's on my heart the most, I think. It has been for some time. It's going to continue to be. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be amazing if every single one of you when I asked you the question, who's your one, had a name instantaneously. I mean, you didn't stop and think about it. You didn't make an excuse. You just said, Jake, this is my one. And wouldn't it be even, even better if you didn't just say, Jake, my one's name is this, but you said, Jake, here's my one. Wouldn't it be even greater if, if you said, Jake, here's my one, and they just came to know Jesus last night when they were over at our house for supper. I shared the gospel with them, and they want to get baptized this morning. Wouldn't it be awesome if there were so many ones coming to know Jesus Christ on a weekly, on a daily basis, that we never had to worry about turning the baptistry heater on because it would be on continuously. And there would be people saved and people's lives changed and homes transformed. I want to ask you something, church. Do you see what God sees? Do you see what God wants us to do? I'm going to challenge you. Put on your spiritual lenses. Let's do what God wants us to do. Let's grow as a church upward in worship. Downward, deeper in discipleship. Inner, closer in fellowship. Outward in evangelism and further in ministry. Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? I'm not sure how the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning, but I trust that He has as we've opened His Word. I'm not sure exactly how God wants you to be a part of this. But I know that He's working in our church and our community. 
So won't you just surrender yourself to him and submit to him and say, God, whatever you want, however you want me to serve you, I'm here. Here I am, Lord, send me. I'll be standing down here at the front if you need to speak with me. This altar's open if you want to come and kneel in prayer. As God calls you today, would you respond to him? is without borders let me walk upon the waters wherever you will call me
to introduce to you this morning really I don't guess I need to introduce them to you because you know who they are they've been visiting with us for a long time so Carlos Renee Preston if you guys want to go ahead come on up here this is the Vidal family and um, they know Jesus Christ and uh, they want to become a part of our church family here uh, by a letter from United Free Will Baptist Church in Walnut Ridge and so we're so thankful that the Lord has led them here Amen. So church family, I'll, uh, I'll ask you a question. And if, uh, if that sounds good to you, just say amen. All right. Would you promise to be a faithful church family to this family, to love them, to help them grow in their walk with Jesus Christ? If you'd make that promise, say amen. 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 All right. Carlos, Renee, Preston. Would you guys promise to be faithful church mem family members here and to help us grow in our walk with the Lord? Amen. Amen. Good deal. Well, they'll be here down in the front after our service is over. So please come by, shake their hand, get to know them. If you haven't met them yet, I know that you'll enjoy getting to meet them. Um, in fact, they're already involved with all kinds of stuff. Renee's one of our uh, youth small group leaders on uh, Wednesday night, just does a tremendous job with the students. So... They'll be down here in the front. Please come, get to know them, shake their hand. I'll see you back here tonight at 6 p.m. for our January Bible study. The praise band is going to dismiss us with this song. So don't let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up high. Don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth God is madly in love with you So take courage, hold on, be strong Remember where I am, come from All you heavens 
as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean as pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Jesus, our redemption. So Jesus, our redemption. Our salvation is in His blood. Jesus, light of heaven, fed forever, His kingdom come. God bless you. You are dismissed.